is great to be here with you this morning. Uh, always great to share the word at Grace Assembly. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Um, I, I don't like to lose. Anybody? <laughs> I don't like to lose. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a fighter in that sense uh, of the word. Not a fighter in the, uh, in the Pablo Vargas Brazilian jiu-jitsu sense. Right? Uh, but I'm a fighter in the sense that I, I don't like to lose. So when, I, when I start a project or when I'm up against a problem and I'm trying to solve it, I, I do not want to feel like it has beaten me. And so I will, I will uh, do whatever it takes to win and whatever it takes to conquer that particular problem. This has been a problem of mine all throughout my life. When I was a child, uh, my mother would, she, I'd be going through uh, my math homework and I'd get stuck on a problem and I couldn't get past it. And she would say, she'd say, Danny, just let's, let's do another subject. Let's do something else. We'll come back to this. We'll solve this problem later. And I would be like, no, we must solve it now. I will stay here all night if necessary. And I would drive her nuts uh, in that way. But I, I found that um, as an adult, I haven't really grown out of that either. <laughs> My family can tell you uh, that, uh, and there's a lot of examples of this, but one example that comes to mind is like, my wife will say, hey, we got people coming over. Can you vacuum the living room? So I'll start vacuuming the living room. And of course, the vacuum gets clogged or something is broken and something starts, doesn't not, is not working. And so, and so an hour later, I will have all the parts of the vacuum disassembled all across the living room and I'm trying to put it back together and I will, I will find myself... Uh, uh, to, uh, I will get to the point of yelling, sweating, hyperventilating, uh, and hysteria. Not quite the health. And I'll, and I'll start talking to inanimate objects. Did anybody else do that? Start talking to the vacuum. Like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Uh, I don't like to lose. I, I like to fight my way through. And of course, sometimes the harder you fight, the worse it gets. And it feels like we're losing. It feels like you're losing. My other natural tendency, though besides being a fighter, is, is if, I, if I genuinely feel like I'm losing, if I genuinely feel like the fight I'm fighting is not a fight that I'm going to win, my tendency is to escape and to try to avoid that fight altogether. Or maybe even to pretend like it doesn't exist. Have you ever, you ever watched your team play the big game and they are losing miserably? What do you do? Just turn it off. Pretend like it doesn't exist. Or if you're actually at the game, you leave early and go to the parking lot and get out and beat the traffic, right? Uh, but that's part of our, our nature as human beings. Like if we feel like we can't win, we try to find a way to escape. Um, a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, my daughter, Truly, she got in trouble for something and she was upset. And so I brought her over to talk to her about it. And I said, sweetie, what's wrong? And she said, I don't want to talk to anyone or do anything ever again. And I said, I felt like that, like, yesterday, like, last week. Like, like, that's a feeling I still get as an adult. Like, sometimes it's like life feels overwhelming. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to do anything ever again. We try to run from the fight. And that's what I've noticed in life when it comes to fights that it feels like we're losing. We usually feel like those are our two options, right? We can, we can fight harder and try to win, or we can run from the fight Try to avoid it altogether, pretend like it doesn't exist. And a lot of times when it comes to facing life's battles, we think, we think these are our only two options. But the question we should be asking ourselves is not, can I win the fight? Or, or should I keep trying? And it should not be, uh, when should I cut bait and run? When should I just quit and, and cut my losses? But the real question we should be asking ourselves 
is who is with us in the fight? Who is with us in the fight? Who or what do we trust to get us through? And so I'd suggest to you this morning that faith is the ability to bring God into account in every fight. Faith is the ability to bring God into account in every fight. And so uh, we're going to be looking here this morning at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Some context to this passage before we begin to read some of the uh, portions of it. Uh, Isaiah is writing this prophecy around 700 B.C. Uh, This is during the reign of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah is one of the more godly kings of Judah, but he has some of his own hang-ups and his own issues. And uh, at this point in history, Hezekiah's kingdom is in danger because the nation of Assyria is growing in power and influence, and they are beginning to take over nations and cities all around them. And they begin to encroach on the nation of Judah. And Hezekiah sees this, and he begins to to see that his future kingdom is in danger. In fact, uh, the Assyrian army comes all the way to the edge of Judah, and uh, uh, the Assyrian commander calls out to Hezekiah and all the leaders of the kingdom of Judah, and he says to them, he says, you better surrender now if you want any hope of living. And he says, and if you don't surrender, we're going to lay siege to your city. And this, he, he literally says this in scripture, you can read it. He says, get ready to drink your own urine and eat your own excrement because we are going to starve you out. That's in scripture. That's in the Bible. And Hezekiah sees that his whole world is beginning to crumble, and the leaders of the nation then begin to consider what their options are. And the option that they begin to consider is, what would it look like if we created an alliance with the nation of Egypt to the south? If we can create this alliance with them, and they can come and help us, maybe we can hold Assyria off, and maybe we can win the fight. And so this is the context of this prophecy of Isaiah here. So let's read here, Isaiah chapter 30. Starting in verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in zone and their envoys have arrived in Hanes, everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, that it promises that if we invite you, you'll be with us in the fight. And so, Lord, this morning it's our prayer that you would remove from us the desire to fight more on our own, that you would remove from us the desire to run and hide, and you'd remove from us the desire to create alliances that are not of your spirit. And, Lord, that instead you would build in us a faith that trusts and rests in you and that there is a confidence in us that is beyond anything else that this world can offer, that you are with us in the middle of the fight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I'd like you to notice in this passage this morning are brittle and destructive alliances and why we make them. 
brittle and destructive alliances and why we make them. Isaiah calls out Hezekiah and the leadership of the nation of Judah for their consideration of forming this alliance with Egypt. He says to them, he says, you are forming an alliance, but you didn't ask me about it. You're forming an alliance, but it's not by my spirit. Later on, he describes this alliance as, as a wall that they are attempting to build. He says, you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to find refuge. And it's like you're, you're building this giant wall. It's getting higher and higher. But guess what? As tall and as impressive as it is, this wall is going to crumble and fall into a million pieces. And not only is it going to crumble, it's going to fall back on top of you. What you think is going to provide you safety and security and comfort and peace is actually, it's more brittle and destructive than you think. It's going to fall apart and it's going to fall on you. It's going to actually lead to your destruction, not your protection. The word that, the phrase that kept resonating in my spirit as I began to read this was, was this phrase of, what is an unholy alliance in my life? What are the alliances in my life that, that I make in moments of crisis and moments of pain and difficulty, in moments where it feels like I'm losing the fight? What are the unholy alliances that I make, alliances that are not of God's spirit, they're not something I've consulted God about, but it's my way of finding peace, security, comfort, and hope in the midst of losing the fight. And isn't it true that in, in, in moments of crisis in our lives, we, we often cling to things that will hurt us in the long run? We do that, don't we? We all do. Why, why do we do that? Why, why, do we, why do we cling to things that are going to hurt us in the long run, we know it. We do it, with the, we do it with the smallest things, don't we? Right? We eat that extra slice of pizza because we're stressed out, right? <laughs> or two slices of pizza, or three slices of whatever it is, right? <laughs> and the next day, we're feeling it. We're like, we knew it was going to hurt us overnight. We knew that. We did it anyway, right? The stress of, the stress of, our, of our day that we're about to face is so difficult. We don't want to wake up in the morning, so we just keep hitting that snooze button. We keep hitting it. We know it's going to hurt us. We know it's going to cause the rest of our day to be frenzied and stressed. But it helps us for the moment, or we think it does. We have this big project or this big thing we've got to put together, and so we, we procrastinate, we procrastinate, we put it off, put it off. Why? Because we, we can't deal with the reality in the moment. We do that with the little things, with the inconsequential things, but we also do it with the earth-shattering things, with the things when our life truly begins to crumble, when everything that we're striving for seems to be falling apart. We are in the fight, but we're not making headway, and reality is too difficult for us to handle. So what do we do when the fight is not going our way? We reach for an ally. We reach for an alliance. We reach for something that is going to give us security, safety, comfort, and a sense of control when it feels like we're losing the fight. That's human nature. It's our, tangible, it's, our, it's our human nature to search for something tangible to sustain us when it feels like our world is falling apart. And sometimes the alliances we make, we make alliances to help us uh, fight harder, and sometimes we make alliances to help us ignore the fight altogether, right? Sometimes we, 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 we will spend more money. We will do whatever it takes to make that problem go away. I'm just going to spend it. I'll go into debt. I'll, I'll pay off that credit card later. It's okay. I just got to get through this day right now. I got to keep fighting. 
Sometimes we'll, we'll jump into an unhealthy relationship because it provides some sense of peace and hope for us in the midst of us feeling like we're losing the fight. Sometimes we'll say, well, uh, it feels like my world is falling apart and I'm trying to hold it all up, so maybe, maybe the problem is that I'm just not disciplined enough. So I've got to discipline myself more. I've got, to, I've got to find a way to just be better, wake up earlier, work longer hours, figure it out, be more, do more, try harder. I've got to fight harder to win. But then we also make alliances that, that help us to try to escape the fight. For some of us, we could turn to substances, we can turn to drugs, we can turn to alcohol. The less sinful one that we don't talk about a lot in church is food, stress eating, finding comfort in a substance. We can find comfort in antisocial behavior. We can, we can sleep, we can avoid others, we can lock the world out. I just need to escape and find quietness. And it's not escaping to rest, it's escaping to avoid reality. We can, we can do that with media, we can binge watch, we can binge scroll. Pornography is another big one. We escape, it's escaping the reality of the world that we're living in. Another thing that, that I'm seeing a lot of now, and we're seeing this uh, um, uh, immensely across our country in young people, is, is they, they have an inability to find a way to, to mesh what's happening in their lives with the truth of the Word of God. And so what do they do? They can't, they can't handle the reality of, of how those things are not working together. And so what do they do? They, they pull themselves out of that reality and construct a completely new one. They call it deconstructing their faith, right? And in the, in the meantime, they, they rebuild a reality that makes their former reality less painful. I don't have to deal with it now because the framework of my world is different. And it's escaping the fight. And some of the alliances we make, of course, are inherently sinful, but others are, are sinful simply because they replaced our dependence on God. And so a great question to ask ourselves is not, is, not, is the alliance that I'm naturally leaning towards, is it sinful or is it not? The real question we should be asking ourselves is, is the alliance that I'm making replacing my dependence on the work of God in my life? You see, discipleship, following Jesus, involves the continual process of breaking off unholy alliances in our lives and finding refuge in the only alliance that will save us. Let me say that again. Following Jesus involves the continual process of breaking off unholy alliances in our lives and finding refuge in the only alliance that will save us. And this is, true, this is true for all of us here in this room. It's true if, if, if this is your first day here at church or if you've been here for decades, right? We all have this tendency when, when it feels like we're losing the fight, when it feels like we're not winning, to find an alliance, something that is going to give us comfort, hope, and peace. And these alliances look different. I gave you just a few examples, but they, they are as infinite and as different as there are people in the world and people in this room. And so a great question for us to ask ourselves this morning as we identify our heart idols is this, is this, who or what do I partner with when it feels like my world is falling apart? What, what is it that I naturally crave? What is it that I feel like I need to run to when it feels like things aren't going my way? If you want to identify the idols in your heart, that's the fastest way to do it. Isaiah, in his prophecy, 
is saying to King Hezekiah and to the leaders of the nation of Judah, he says, the alliance that you are making is more fragile than you understand. And it's going to ultimately lead to your destruction. It's not going to save you. The second thing I'd like you to notice in this passage is our source of strength and salvation. Our source of strength and salvation. Listen to what Isaiah says in verse 15. And this this verse is really the centerpiece of the entire prophecy. He says, This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Let me say that again. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So this is not... This is not a message that you're going to hear outside of the pages of Scripture. This is not a message that our world will tell us. Right? The world's message to us is, hey, try harder, fight harder, or, or avoid the fight altogether, construct your own reality to make yourself feel better, or, or find whatever ally you can to make yourself feel better, but whatever it is, keep fighting. But God says something different. He says salvation and strength are available to you, and they come through repentance Rest, quietness, and trust. It's a very different message. And, and I, I want to take just a minute and go through each of these four words very quickly. But the first thing he says to us is that repentance leads to salvation. Repentance. Now, what does that word mean? I, when we talk about the word repentance, that word sometimes makes people feel uncomfortable. And I, I grew up in the church, and um, when I think about repentance, I think about coming forward to the altar and weeping and soaking the altar with my tears, confessing all of my sins and saying everything bad I've ever done and promising to never do anything wrong ever again, right? That's what I think of when I think of repentance. Anybody else like me think that way about repentance? I don't know. Uh, but the, the word here in the Hebrew is very specific. And, and it, it literally means a returning, a retirement, or a withdrawal from war. A returning, a retirement, or a withdrawal from war. So what's God saying here? What's God saying here when he's saying repentance leads to salvation? He's saying, stop fighting and come back to me. Stop fighting and come back to me. Stop fighting to win on your own. Stop striving, striving to win without me. Surrender. Withdraw from the battle and come back to me. Come back to me. This is where salvation is found. And this message speaks to, to, to all, all of us in, in the different ways that we approach the losing fights in our lives. The word speaks to the fighter and it says, hey, hey, fighter, stop fighting and come back. The word speaks to the one who's trying to escape, who's trying to run. It says, hey, runner, stop running and come back. Come back to me. The word speaks to the one who is creating brittle and destructive alliances in their lives and says, hey, let go of those those false sources of salvation and come home to the only one who can truly save you. That's what repentance is. He's saying, stop running, stop fighting, stop trusting other things and come home to me. That's repentance. The essence of repentance then is surrendering my own fight 
and my own way and coming back to the only one who is the only way and who can save me. The second word that he gives us is rest. Rest. It's a quiet attitude. And, and in the Hebrew, it, it's, it's translated as the rest of death. The rest of death. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting, but what is God saying here? What's he saying here? He's saying, he's saying stop your fighting, stop your running, stop your striving, and be still. And maybe so still that it feels like death to you to not do anything about it. But it's in that death that you will find life. Isn't that the message of Jesus? Isn't that the message of Jesus? He says, says, come to me, die to yourself, and in that you will find true life. So in repentance and rest is your salvation. And that rest is a rest of dying to ourselves, being still, and letting God truly be all he can be in our lives. How many of you know that there's a difference between escaping to rest and escaping to avoid reality? Right? There's a difference. There's a difference. And what God is offering us is not an avoidance of reality. It is rest in the middle of the fight. It, 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 it's counterintuitive to, to anything we would ever think or, be, or normalize. He's saying, in the middle of the fight, you can find rest because I am with you and I'm the one who's fighting on your behalf. We can be at rest in the middle of the fight because God is with us in the fight. The third word he gives us is quietness. Quietness. That's not easy for some of us. Quietness. But it parallels that word rest, and it means to to be at peace, to rest and to lie still, the absence of panic and restlessness. One commentator calls this, he says, it's the product not of refusal to face life, but of the insistence upon taking God into account. In trust, can I be quiet in the midst of the fight, still and trusting him? And then the fourth word he gives us is trust. Trust. And that word is, is literally translated confidence. Confidence. Not arrogance. Not arrogance. Confidence. It's this understanding that, yes, I'm in the fight of my life, but the fight's outcome does not depend on me. Let me say that again. The fight's outcome does not depend on me. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on him. How many of you know today that God wants us to live with a confidence that allows us to face life's battles knowing that we cannot lose? God wants us to live with the confidence to face life's battles knowing that we cannot lose. In June of 1945, uh, President Harry Truman traveled to Potsdam, Germany. And uh, it was there that he was going to meet with Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. And they were going to discuss the plans, the future plans for Europe post the fall of Nazi Germany. And of course, this was an important conversation because the threat of communism 
spreading all of through Europe was, that was very real and very tangible at that time. So it was an important meeting. And uh, just two months prior, President Franklin Roosevelt had passed away. He was a four-term U.S. president. He was a beloved statesman, orator. He was a national icon. He was a hero. He had led the nation all through World War II, given hope to millions of people. And on his fourth presidential bid, he added Harry Truman to his ticket so that he could win some votes out in the Midwest. But they had no relationship prior to that time. In fact, in the entirety of his time as vice president, Harry Truman and Franklin Roosevelt had a total of two conversations. Never once did Franklin Roosevelt tell him any of the strategy of the war. Never once did he tell him how uh, things were going or what negotiations he was a part of or what strategies were being employed in the military. He didn't tell him anything. And so two months into the job, Harry Truman now walks into this room with the world's foremost leaders, and it's up to him to negotiate and to make sure things work out so communism doesn't spread across Europe. And so he goes into this meeting, and after two days, he gets nowhere. Everything he planned, everything he wanted to talk about, it all got shut down. Churchill was domineering and aggressive and kept going off on tangents. Stalin was devious and cryptic and difficult to assess. And after the second day, he came back uh, to, his, to his quarters, and he was very discouraged. And his military leaders come and meet with him that evening, and they come to him and they say, Mr. President, we just want to update you. We have just tested the atom bomb. And Mr. President, we want you to know that not only does it work, it is more powerful, more explosive, more destructive than we could have possibly imagined. Mr. President, we've got this weapon ready to go. Whenever you tell us to deploy it, you let us know. Historians will say that when Harry Truman went back for the third day of meetings, never once did he mention the atom bomb. But they do say that he walked back into that room different. They say he walked back into that room with an air of confidence and a strength of leadership that he had never had before, and he commanded the room and got everything he asked for. And it's, history will tell us that Harry Truman, his work there was responsible for holding communism at bay in Europe. Unbelievable. But here, 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 here's what I want you to think about uh, this morning. My notes will not work. There we go. <laughs> How many of you know that we approach the fight differently when we realize that we cannot lose? Are you with me? We approach the fight differently when we realize that we cannot lose. And, and God wants to build in us a confidence that allows us to face life's battles knowing that we cannot lose. I don't, I don't have to be loud about it. I don't have to be arrogant about it. I can be quiet and I can be still, but I can be confident because God is with me. And when he's with, I know I, I'm going to face the battle, but I'm not going to lose because he's with me in the fight. Now listen to this again. He says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust 
is your strength. And that word strength specifically means strength for facing life's battles. And it also means warrior strength. That means God wants to give you warrior strength in your life. He wants you to be able to face life's battles with confidence and strength because he's with you in the fight. He's saying, if you want to live victoriously, if you want strength, come back to me. Stop fighting on your own. Stop running. Stop striving. Stop making alliances that are brittle and destructive. Be still. Be confident. And know that I'm with you in the fight. And the final thing I want you to notice this morning is God's heart to show up for us. God's heart to show up for us. If we read on in Isaiah chapters 36 and 37, actually tell us the the full story of the response to this prophecy. It tells us that King Hezekiah listens to the word of Isaiah and he responds. He responds with repentance and quietness and dependence. And it tells us that in one night, an angel of the Lord strikes down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Can you imagine that? You have this massive army surrounding your city, and you walk out one day, and they're all dead. In a moment, the king of Assyria flees back. He flees back to Nineveh, and within a month, he's assassinated by his own two sons. And in, in, in a moment, in a moment, what seemed incredibly daunting, what seemed impossible, what seemed earth-shattering, what seemed like everything was caving in and crumbling on top of in a moment, God turned it around. In a moment. So, so listen now to what Isaiah says in verse 18. He says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Listen, I think some of you need to hear this this morning. God God longs to show up for you. God longs to show up for you. His heart is to show up for you. God is literally on edge waiting to show up in your life. He longs to be gracious to you, to rise up and to show you compassion, to fight for you, to reveal himself as as real and true and strong in your life. And his intent was never for us to escape the fight or to pretend like it doesn't exist. His intent was always for us to go through the fight, but with him, with him, in the fight with us. He wants to take us through, not around, so that we can see the wonders of God with our own eyes. He's waiting to show up for us. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. We have to invite him in. We have to invite him in. He's the one that does the work, but we have to invite him in. Listen, listen to this verse again. I didn't read you the whole verse in verse 15. He says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But then Isaiah says this to the, to the people of Judah. He says, but you would have none of it. You would have none of it. So what does that tell me? It tells me that I have a choice. I have a choice. I can invite God into the fight, or I can keep fighting on my own. And there are two things this morning that I believe God wants to 
to make available to us today. One is salvation and the other is strength. Salvation and strength. And the answer for both is the same. What brings us salvation and what gets us through life's battles is the same thing. It's inviting God into the fight with us. And so would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me this morning. And as we do, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and take a moment. Maybe you're here this morning, you have never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never once invited God into the fight in your life. I want you to know this morning that you can do that right now. In the quietness of your own heart, you can invite him in. This message this morning, even though we're preaching from the Old Testament, this is the heart of the gospel message. The gospel tells us that while we were created in God's image, we are all marred by sin. And all of our best efforts, all of our fighting, all of our striving, all of our good works to try to make ourselves right with God, no matter how hard we try, it all falls woefully short. We cannot by any personal work, effort, or merit restore what is broken in us or what is broken between us and God. But Scripture tells us that God, in His great mercy, sent us Jesus, who did for us what we could never do for ourselves. God made Him, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God literally takes on the fight for us, and there's only two things that he requires of us. There's two things required of us to ensure that God is in the fight with us. And it's repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. God says, come back to me. Come back to me. Reject all those other things you've been trusting. Stop fighting on your own. Stop striving on your own. Stop running away. Some of you need to hear this today. God is saying, come back to me. Come back to me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to show up for you. I'm waiting to show up in your life. Come back to me. And if that's you today, if you feel like you've never made that decision to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, would you just look up and make eye contact with me today? I want to be able to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just look up, make eye contact with me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, you're going to have a chance to come forward for prayer. And if you made that decision this morning, I want to encourage you to do that. There are many people here who would love to pray with you and point you in the right direction, allow God to do that work in your life. But maybe you're here today also, and you would say, Dan, that, that, that word salvation, I've already received Jesus Christ, but I need that strength in my life. I need that strength for the life's battles that I'm facing right now. And we're all, the truth is we're all in some sort of battle. It might be, it might be a, a big earth-shattering one, or it might be one that, is, that nobody knows about but us, but it's important to us because it's the one we're facing. And I want you to know today that God wants you to invite, he wants you to invite him into the fight. And so a great question to ask ourselves as we respond this morning is, is am, I, am I truly living in repentance and rest and quietness and trust? Or am I trying to fight the fight of my own? Am I trying to run? Am I creating brittle and destructive, cheap alliances in my life that take me further from trusting in God? Or am I trusting 
in the work of Jesus Christ on my behalf and the heart of God to show up for me. Faith is the ability to take God into account in every fight. Would you stand with me? We're going to invite the altar team to come make themselves available for prayer. And as I close in prayer, if you, if you would like to come forward for prayer, either for if you uh, made a decision to, to know Jesus today, you can come forward for prayer. Uh, we'd love to pray with you for that. Or if you need strength in your life, encouragement in your walk with Jesus today, we'd love, your, love for you to come forward. And you can pray with those who are here. Or if you just want to come and pray on your own at the altar, you're welcome to do that. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you, God, that you are a God who desires to show up in our lives. You're a God who desires to show up in our lives. And so, Father, this morning, we choose once again to invite you in. We choose once again to invite you in. Though we may have done it hundreds of times before, God, we need you afresh and anew today. And so, God, we invite you in to our fight. Lord, we choose to say we're done fighting on our own. We choose to say we're done running away from you, running away from the fight. And God, we choose to say that we're, we're letting go of some of these destructive alliances that we've made in our lives that have substituted our dependence on you. Father, today, I pray that you would teach us what it means to live in repentance and rest and in quietness and trust. And Lord, that as we do that, that we would know that you are doing more than what we could ever think or imagine. God, that you are doing what we cannot see in the heavenlies. And God, that we can trust that you are with us in the fight and that it is your heart to show up for us. And God, if there's one thing I know about you, it's I know that I can trust your heart because you did not spare the greatest treasure in all of heaven, Jesus Christ, from being given to us so that we might come near you. And so, Lord, this morning we choose to trust your heart to show up for us. God, we give our lives to you once more today. In Jesus' name, amen.